think that a lot of fucking people see these quick. Because mm -hmm. especially when you don't post a lot. That's the thing. If you post a lot, people stop looking at them. Not necessarily. People get used to it. It's like fucking reality TV. You can't stop now. You just get used to it. Not like too many a day. But if you do three, four a day, yeah. every day, people will watch you every day. There's certain people that watch every day and I don't even fucking know why. I don't yeah. stop watching them. If you don't post often, I don't actually don't because I don't give a fuck. Well, actually, if you don't post often, you turn to the end of someone's feed. So that if you have 10,000 followers, you're the fucking 6,430 person by the time they go through unless they look for you. That's what I'm saying. So we got to actually do this often. Not flooding, not spamming in one yeah. day, but you need to. Because I'll, like, I'll click on someone's and I'll see like a hundred little white dots at the top. I'm like, no. Yeah, same here. <laughs> That's, there's nothing you, I do not need to see what you had for breakfast, supper, dinner, and fucking what time you went to bed. I just sent Screamer, uh, Joe Sullivan said, tell Tell the screamer I want to get naked with him, so I took the screenshot and sent it to him. I, uh... Do I get anything on my face? Besides fatness? Okay, let's, <laughs> let's rock and motherfucking roll. How's it going? I'm alright. Good. Fucking nothing, man. <laughs> so we, uh, how's your Wi-Fi? You, you looking, you good over there? We coming in clean? I think so. I think everything's alright. Just give me two seconds. I need you to just send a text on it to yeah, Heather. Yeah, yeah, For sure, buddy. Did you click that full screen? How are we looking there, Randy? Check out our stuff here. Oh. All right, I think I'm think I'm good. <laughs> okay, so we um, you'll see me, but Randy's on the other side of the table, so you'll hear his voice, and I'll be looking at you. You're on a big monitor, so I'm gonna talk to the monitor. So it looks like I'm not talking to you, but I'm actually looking at you up here on the monitor, and. Uh, <laughs> That just sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it, man. We're, we're ready to rock and roll if you are. Wait there. I don't know which fucking camera's being used here. Uh, the one more to your right. I've got right, a yeah, webcam. That one, that one. I've got a webcam on my laptop, but it's shite. <laughs> that one. And I've got one, you... I've got a USB one, which is better. How yeah. does how does my picture look to you? Too, what do you think, Randy? Not too bad. It's good. The one you're looking at right now is not the one that's working. Whoa. That, that one, that one. That, that one's one. working. You're looking me in the eyes right now. This one's working. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I'm going to see if I can get this one up. I haven't got a fucking clue what I'm doing. <laughs> we need the IT department in there. Oh, mate. <laughs> Switch camera? Yeah, bam. Oh, shit. He's got a lot bigger. Yep. Yeah, this one's a much better webcam. Is that Is better? That way better, buddy. I think yeah, it's going to be better. We yeah, we're good. There you go. So how you feeling, buddy? I'm alright. Just, uh, I've been fucking, um, 
I was up late last night drinking some whiskey. Oh, same. I was drinking gin. I feel your pain. And you had to and work then today, I had too, man. Going coach. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. You had to work today, too. No shit. Life's uh, hard, man. Just needed some fucking whiskeys. I'd say to, to, to take the, uh, the edge off. Yeah, take the edge off, deload a little <laughs> bit. Um, so, where, where are you from right now? Where do you live at? Uh, Liverpool. Liverpool? Were you born and raised in Liverpool? No, I was born and raised in South Shields, which is like in between Sunderland and Newcastle in the northeast of England. Got you. And were you, uh, do you got brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got one brother. And is he an older brother, younger brother? Yeah, he's older. He's, oh fuck, how old am I? 29, 33. Can I swear on this, by the way? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> oh, I just, I can't turn that off, man. That's okay. That's okay. Fucking potty mouth. <laughs> so is he, over, is he into powerlifting and everything too? Does he weight lift? No, he does lift a little bit. Um, he just real like recreationally. Um, he, he, a few couple of years back, he like sort of, he did quite a bit of lifting and a bit of training to have like a one of them white collar boxing matches. Oh shit! Uh, so like, I helped him cut weight for that and everything. That was pretty cool. <laughs> so what's, um, what is a white just, collar? What's a white collar boxing match? What's so that? you know, like, obviously you've got like pro, then semi pro, amateur. Yeah. This is like below that, where it's just <laughs> just people who. It, I think they call that a street fight. <laughs> so, yeah, like an organized street fight, I guess. That's right. That's right. <laughs> What kind of happens is like you'll just sort of like you'll get like people who are just like who just train recreationally in the gym or whatever. They've not had any pro experience, no amateur experience. Yeah. But they just want to fight. Yeah. So like they'll just join like a boxing gym for twelve weeks. Shit. They'll get trained up a little bit and then they'll just match them up and they'll just match two people up with like who the thing's gonna be like, like a close enough fight where it's not gonna be embarrassing. Yeah. And he's going just have like he's going have like the experience of a pro fight. It's like it's in a place. There's a ring. People are there. There's a bar and everything. So it's like there's a big crowd and everything. But it's just like Holy real, like amateur. It's really, it's a really good idea. So now we know where the fight club started. Holy <laughs> smokes! <laughs> Wowzers! So your brother just how 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 did it go? Uh, he got beat. Unfortunately, it was a it was like I went and watched the whole thing. And like to be fair. It looked like they kind of like mashed people up like really badly. There was some like really embarrassingly like just shit fights out there. Yeah. But that one, fucking hell, it was a slugfest. Really? Was, oh shit! In the shit out of each other. Was... Oh fuck! What's that like to watch your brother in a slugfest? Oh like... shit! Me said it was horrible. It no was fucking up. Shit! That's it hard, was... man. He got beat, he was disappointed, and like, he, but he came out all right, you know, like, we went we went on the piss straight after it and everything, and, yeah, yeah it was, I, I, I was like, I was like this watching. Yeah, like, holy <laughs> smoke. Did you and your brother growing up, were you guys into the rough stuff like that growing up, too? Eh, uh, you know what, not really, like, me and, my, like, me and my brother, we've, like, we've had a couple of arguments, we've never once, like, had anything where we've, like, come to blows or nothing like that, like, no just... Shit. No shit, you guys yeah, have never gotten fights. We used to like, we'd argue and play fight and everything when we were younger and everything like that, but like, not once have we ever like legitimately tried to like punch one another or nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially so, fucking much bigger than the cunt. Uh, are you? Well, how big is your brother? <laughs> what, sorry? How big is your brother? Uh, uh, he's a little bit taller than me and... I 
wouldn't even know how much he weighs, but I've, I've probably got a good, like, 20 or 30 kilos on him. Oh, no shit, okay. Something were like you, that, like... Were you always growing up? Were you always thick and a big guy? Um, no, actually. There's a picture of me, uh, that, there's a picture of me somewhere. I'll send you it after this if I can find it. Yeah. But it's a, when I'm about 14, and it's, like, my first year playing rugby, and honestly, mate, like, I always... Just thought that I was a big lad. I'm just like, you know, it's like when you think back about things, and then the, the more you think about it, the more the story changes and everything. Yeah, yeah, man, for sure. So I, I just always thought that I, I was big. Yeah. And then my mate sent me this picture, and honestly, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> you, you, when you think back, you were seven feet tall, long, flowing mane. <laughs> yeah. and you, you see a picture, like, what the, who is this guy? Who is this guy? You can see the foundation. So you can see I've got, like, wide shoulders. Yeah, yeah. There's fucking no meat on them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, like, I, I was so skinny back then. So you were playing rugby from an early age. Was that one of the first sports you got into, was rugby? Um, but it was the first competitive thing I got into. I got in a com- I didn't really. I missed the boat on competitive sports. I started playing rugby at like fourteen. Whereas, like, if you want to get good in any sport, um, like at that, like that kind of a um, like team sport kind of dynamic, I mean, you want to be starting them off for as, from as early as possible. Yeah. But when I was younger, I just I really wasn't that competitive. Yeah. And and I was just a, then like in those kind of like teen years, I just got really fucking angry. Really? And I just ended up playing, get rid of some of that, get get rid of some of that anger, you know. What was what was it in the teen years? This transformation in terms of getting angry, getting more competitive, and and moving in that field. Um, the thing that did it, and uh, right, it's gonna sound like a right fucking sob story, and I'm sick of fucking going on about it. But uh, basically, it was like me dad getting remarried, so like I was fine. All through like that, like, I mean, my dad never been around, so like it was me, my mum, and my brother. And um, my dad was never around, but like would always like sort of ring and things like that and keep in contact. And then he got remarried, and then we just didn't hear from him for like six months. And that was kind of it for me, like just that got me really fucking pissed off, and I just like started going a bit off the rails and that then and. Probably still am off the rails now. <laughs> but did you get like, <laughs> were you getting like trouble and stuff like that? Uh, no, not like, not, not like bad, bad trouble. My mom wouldn't let that happen. Like, little bits of things. So, like, I remember this one time. Oh, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> me and me mate went around and, like, do you know what an allotment is? A what, sorry? An allotment. An allotment. Uh... It might just be an English thing. Basically what it was, it was, like, this little, this fucking place, like, on the outskirts of our little town. Yeah. And it was just, like, this big, like, sort of plot of land, and people would, like, rent space in there, and they yeah. would, like, grow shit in, like, greenhouses and stuff like yeah. that. Like, this one day, me and me mates just went around and just started smashing up these allotments with, like, fucking oh, club sticks and shit. Shit. And, like, the police got rang, and my ma fucking killed me. Like, just, like, <laughs> just little stupid shit like that, which sounds like a really good idea at the time. Yeah, yeah. And it really isn't. Yeah. So was your mom? Like, I'm was, was sure. Was she I'm like pretty sure the guy who organized it told us that like there were abandoned allotments and it's fine? Yeah. And so then, we went right and started just smashing the shit out of it with like golf clubs <laughs> and shit like that and just fuck. Yeah. Oh shit. And did you so was your mom the type that she would step in like a dad, she would put a whooping on you if she had to? 
Was she, was she tough? Never put a whooping on me, nothing like that, but I was just shit scared of her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like she, all she had to do was just raise her voice once, and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm done. Nah, yeah, I'm not messing yeah. with Like, she never, she never ever had to fucking lay a hand on me because of just how yeah. scared I was of when I was a kid. Yeah, and when you... Our little, little fucking midget. <laughs> 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 how tall is your mom and dad? Uh, right, I'm about five six. I mean, Ma's about five four. I mean, Da, I'm fucking every time I see him, he looks like he's shrinking. So <laughs> I, I haven't seen the prick in about ten years. So probably about five one by now. No shit. And is your brother? How tall is your brother? Uh, he's about five seven. Look, he got a little bit taller than me. Five seven, five eight, or something like that. I know, man. My I'm five nine. My fucking brother's six one and a half. The prick. Motherfucker. Full, full head of hair. Oh, what a prick. <laughs> yeah. I bet, I, I bet you got the good luck story, didn't you? Well, all right, I'll take that. Sure. <laughs> you say a different story, sure. Sure, it is what it is. It is what it is. But uh, so, so in high school, when did you start lifting weights? Then was it to, like around those high school years? It was around about when I first started playing rugby. Like I was the shortest on the field, I was the skinniest on the field, but I was the fastest. And I was like, right. I mean, I was. Just, I mean, I wasn't getting dominated, but there was just like, I mean, I don't know if you ever watched rugby before, but there's some big fucking boys on the field. Oh, oh hell yeah, hell yeah, and there is. I was just like, right. I'm probably not going to get much taller because at that point I'd already outgrown me ma and me da. So like, I yeah. thought I was doing well there. I was thinking, right, the only thing I can really sort of compensate for to try and get a bit more competitive in like some of the fucking like some of the tussles and tackles and things is to try and put on a bit of size. So like, I think I was probably 14 or 15. And um, we, like me and my brother, we bought like a weights bench for the bedroom. Yeah. And we just stopped and like, we just started fucking about on that, trying to lift as much weight as we could on it and everything. And we probably had about 80 kilos max weight or something like that. And like, eventually I got to the point where I could like, just do the whole thing yeah. for reps. So I had to move on to find an actual gym then. And did you, were you, so just started like bench, not really squatting or anything like that yet? Just And you didn't uh, have any coaching, you just kind of doing your own thing? Yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't squat until uh, I was about probably sixteen. Didn't squat properly till I was about fucking seventeen, because I didn't know anything about depth. I just like the guys. The, the guys who were showing me in the gym were just typical like gym bros. Gym fucking bros. Like yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. I in quarter or half squat at best. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. And you, when you were on the rugby field, because you're you're an as intense a dude on the platform as I've ever seen, probably the most entertaining dude that I've ever seen. Are you? Were you like uh, that? Were you like that earlier? Were you like that in other yeah, sports? I was a fucking psycho. Really? <laughs> All right, this, this is fucking great. This I remember. I always remember this. Every time I see me mate Jonas when I go back home and like visit family and everything, I always think about this one time, and it just and it was of him fucking pissing himself, laughing at me on the pitch, right? Because I played inside centre and he played outside centre. So we were right next to each other on the field all the time. Yeah, yeah. And just every now and again, I would just like, I was pretty good at sort of breaking tackles and running through people and stuff like that. So like, this one day, instead of doing that, I was trying to sidestep all over the place. And for some reason, I was so angry. <laughs> just John has kept hearing me going, fuck off, get it, fuck off. <laughs> 
can try to sidestep these people. <laughs> Get the fuck back. Give me room. Give me space. Fuck off. Get me fucking away, you prick. <laughs> all this shit. Honestly, man. I, just, yeah. I didn't even realize I was doing it. And then I see them pissing themselves laughing when, like, when a play broke down. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Man. So where do you, where do you think that comes from? It's, it's always been like sports is like your outlet, basically, right? Yeah, like sport is right outside of like all this stuff. Like I've went, I've had years of bottling up like a lot of emotions and a lot of like anger, and I take it out when I get to the gym and like when I squat and when I compete and everything like that. And it's kind of like because I get it all out and like that, I'm like the tamest guy like in general like outside of training and outside of the gym and everything like i'm just i'm pretty calm i'm pretty reserved like i don't really talk that much i just if i'm in public i just got my head down trying not to make eye contact with people and things like that but Is then that right? no the kidding. Gym. yeah honestly I, I am dead reserved like and so people I'm would never so see you coming so someone just knew you from your day-to-day -day life like us oh, uh Steven's going to compete and they came and watch you compete, they'd be like, holy shit, when they see you at the platform yelling and screaming. They would never see you come. No, like, I mean, I don't know, because I think it, it, they wouldn't see it coming if I was, like, skinny, but I'm a big lad. Yeah, that's they true. They wouldn't see it coming if I'm that way. But your personality-wise, they'd be shocked. Yeah, like, my, my personality changes, like, drastically from situation to situation. So, mm -hmm. like, in everyday life, I'm really, really socially awkward. And like, but then once I get into the gym, like that's where I get confident. And when I get to competitions, I get confident then. I'm I can be pretty chatty and pretty sociable. Yeah. And it helps as well that like without sounding like a big-headed prick, like people are going to come and engage me in conversation yeah. rather than me having to go and engage and start conversations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Really not good at starting conversations. Like I just. I don't know, I just don't really think I'm like that interesting where I just like I don't really like know what to talk about, so it's just yeah. like I'm happy yeah. to just sit and just I'm happy to just sit and observe and if somebody wants to talk to me then I'll answer them back and everything, but yeah, I'm a fucking weird guy. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, so high school you started lifting weights and uh, around sixteen, seventeen, you're squatting. So how did you end up finding powerlifting? Right, uh this is not one of my favourite stories. So when I finished school, so we our school system is a bit different to yours, where we have like a senior school up until sixteen, then you go to college till eighteen. You don't and that that's optional. So like you can leave school at sixteen and start working, mm -hmm. or you can go to college to the eighteen, then start working, or you can go to college to the eighteen, then go to uni. Okay, okay. So, like when I left school at sixteen. All I was thinking about was like, how can I make the most amount of money possible? I don't care what I'm going to do, but I want to make the most amount of money as I possibly can. So I went to the college round hours and I studied business studies, IT, accountancy, psychology, and lasted about six months and I just fucking hated my life. I absolutely despised everything that I was studying. And the only thing that I liked doing at that time was training and drinking. <laughs> Oh shit, man, knows that I was drinking underage now. On <laughs> uh, the record, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I might have actually fooled her until now, right? Anyway, so, um, yeah, so I was like, the only thing I was enjoying was training. So I just dropped out of college around about February or something like that, I think it was. And I just kept training, and then I was looking at like, how, I, how I can study sport. So I found another college, which was like an hour away. So I travel like an hour there and back every day to Gateshead and like, so Gateshead is like, we've got like a, 
we do a lot of like athletics track meets there at Gateshead and like um within that stadium there's like a big gym and everything it's like real like sort of state of the art and everything so I would be in college from like nine till four and then I was allowed to use the gym for like and it was either free or it was a pound something like that like it wasn't expensive at all yeah so I would get in there about four thirty. And then I just seen the powerlifters getting started at about five o'clock. So like, I watched them for a few weeks, months, taught them and everything, and then I eventually asked them to join in one time. So I did that, trained for like six weeks, and then did my first competition. And I think I broke something like ten British records. Holy in first shit! In your first meet? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I fucking like this. Yeah, like, no kidding. Yeah. That was wow. like the first time I'd actually like really sort of like felt good about something that I'd achieved. So like, I just I, I just stuck with it from there. Yeah, no kidding. And so how yeah. old were you when you had your first meet? I was 17. Okay, and how old are you right now? 29. Oh shit, so you've been doing this for 12 years. Yeah, so I've you... been doing this shit since before it got cool. Yeah, that's what I was about to say is, you know, like, um, oh, back in the... breaking up. Are you? We got you good. Sorry, say, say that again. And uh, you. Uh, yeah. So uh, we got you good on our end, by the way. But do are, are we coming through? Yeah, you are now. I can't think. You just stuck in this pose, but I can hear. <laughs> no, no. So uh, I was gonna say, um, when the IPF went raw, I think it was 2012, and then 2013, yes. 2014, really started picking up. And then, um, you know, because like after it went like the unequipped division and then Instagram came, YouTube started blowing shit up and like, cause before back in the powerlifting, so I've been competing, uh, like 10 years as well. And no one knew who anyone was outside of their own immediate countries really. Or like, you know, there's just wasn't, you just didn't know, but no, it wasn't, it wasn't cool. You tell people I'm powerlifting people like, what the fuck is that? Is that bodybuilding? Like it was different, right? It wasn't. It's like trying to tell people now, it is blow, this is crazy, we're doing podcasts, people have like over 100,000 followers, like, that was not the case when you started. No, and imagine what it was like fucking 10, 15 years before we started as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, that was you, you, dark age. Like, you wouldn't even know, like, who was going to win an international competition, like, you wouldn't even know who was entering. Yeah. No, you literally wouldn't. You had no idea who would show up. You, you couldn't just go on Goodlift and look at the nominations. Yeah. You would like turn up and you'd be like, oh fuck, he's turned up. It's bad when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah. And we're, so were you all in, were you doing geared equipped uh, as well? Yeah. I mean, there was no role in the IPF and like I've only ever competed IPF. So like just, I didn't even realize, like for some reason, it sounds stupid, but like, because when I first got into it, like everything was such like sort of like equipped culture. I didn't even consider squatting without all that shit and benching without a shirt and everything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Did you like it? Oh, I fucking hated it. Really? No shit, man. I fucking hated it, but I wanted to be the best and that was the only way I was going to be the best. Yeah. Well, all the guys you're training with, I guess they were IPF as well then? Yeah, we, we did have a few. One or two who was a GPC. I don't know if you know of that federation. Yeah, yeah. I know GPC. Yeah. yeah, so we had one or two that were GPC, but in general, it was all like IPF, British powerlifting. 
And who were these guys? Are they are like who's was any of these guys just take you under the wing as a mentor or how did this start happening? Uh, well, my first coach, um, Mick Hunnam, was like an ex world record holder, European champion in the eighty two point five kilo class, I believe. And um I learned a lot from him. Learned a lot from him. Like he like even to this day I still sort of like remember some of the things that he said about like trying to keep me head on a, on the right path and all that sort of stuff and I'm not always like achieve that but <laughs> I, I always sort of like think about them in the back of my head when I'm doing certain things and I know that I'm like getting like sort of too wrapped up in the lifting side of things and not enjoying myself and stuff but yeah he was a huge huge inspiration to me. And in terms of like uh, so I guess they're the ones who taught you technique wise and how to squat dead bench and stuff like that? Yeah what and you- truth be told my technique hasn't really changed too much from those from those early years either even even taking off the equipment you kind of you lift like an equipped lifter still yeah it's weird like i have not changed my full stance at all um i've always messed around with high bar and low bar because of like shoulder shit and stuff like that but mm-hmm. like i don't really think i used to, i think i pretty much lifted the same all the way through see because i never really used to wear like really tight equipment yeah so like for the basically my first two years were the only years that I had a powerlifting club and training partners. Since then, I've generally trained by myself, and so like I had to I had to make sure that my equipment wasn't too tight, so I could actually get it on and get it yeah, off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so like I didn't really like the suit wasn't really sort of like forcing me into a certain position. It was just I wasn't sort of pulling against the suit and it wasn't restricting me so much that my hips had to be in a certain position if that makes sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so like that it, it, that definitely would have let me down numbers wise but um i'm happy that i didn't really go into the like i really didn't get into like the really tight stuff because that stuff was tight enough Fuck yeah me. and it was a smooth transition this way but what about programming uh who was doing the programming back then for you um just it you know it was probably real like old school more than anything like where i would just turn up and he'd tell me what i was doing for the day and you, you know what i mean it would just be like just right we're hitting fives today and you're like right. fives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it there is was not real there was no real rhyme or reason to it but i don't think that's the worst thing in the world for a new lifter anyway because like I mean, let's be honest, no matter, no matter how I was training in that first two or three years, I was going to get better. Yeah, 100%. And the main, thing, the main thing was that he was always telling me to listen to my body. So if I told him I feel really, I feel fucked here, Mick, then he would like sort of lighten the loads up a little bit. And we were just always just focusing on getting technique down, down, down every time. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really that big of an issue that like, I don't even think I peaked ever with him until like, <laughs> I don't think I, like, I didn't really peak for competitions. No shit. You say, right, just take the week off and then we'll lift. So what was, how did it, things start getting more intricate in terms of peaking and when did that start coming into play? Uh, that was, that, that was me when I went to uni. I went to uni and studied like sports science, did a degree in sports science and everything. So like, it just got me really interested in like all that sort of stuff and like reading up on all that sort of stuff and that really came from 
my own volition of just making sure that I was trying to be as prepared as possible for competitions. And did you start programming for yourself then? Uh, when, I went, when I went away to uni, yeah, um, there was a guy there who did it, did it for about a year or so, and that was really for me to learn from another perspective. So like he was into bodybuilding, so like I would sort of do my pro, my, my uh, powerlifting stuff, and then he would program me some bodybuilding stuff to learn that side of things. Mm-hmm. And um, so like I'm, I'm always trying to learn as much as I can and everything like that. But yeah, I mean I've. I trained myself from uni up until around about, fuck, late 2015 when I got in contact with Mike Teixeira. Oh, Mike T, okay, yeah, and he's got a hell of a roster. Oh, my fucking God, he's the best. He's yeah. awesome. How do you like working with Mike T? I fucking love it. He's so, do you know what? Like, 100%, he's made me a better lifter in, he made me a better lifter quicker than I ever thought was possible. And also as well, like, I don't, obviously, like, I'm not going to rip off the stuff that he does, but my style of programming for my clients now is so much different compared to what it was, like, like three, four years ago. Yeah. And I've, just, I've learned so much from from the lifting side of things, but also the coaching side of things. Like, I just, I just, I can't express how grateful I am to that guy. He no is fucking kid. Awesome. So what... What is it like? Without, I mean, you don't got to give any secrets or anything, but like, what is the type of stuff that he? Obviously, he's like a huge proponent to the RPE training. Um, but I, you know, I, I mean, I talked to Brett Gibbs a little bit about it. How you know, just understanding the certain lifters' cycles, how long they peak before they start coming back down, and really like being personalized. Okay, here's your cycles. It comes back down, so you have a four week peak, a five week peak, and then working the RPE. You know, like. What are some of the stuff that he would do that just really opened your eyes? Right. Well, I was I was really using like an auto regulation system for like maybe a year before I got in contact with Mike. It's just everything was just so fucking heavy. Like I was battering myself in the gym, and I wasn't getting much better for it. So like, so for example, maybe like Mike might set me a single at eight, followed by. Four sets of five at seventy percent, something like that. Real basic, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Whereas when I was doing it, that would be like a single at nine, nine point five, something like that. So I'd be grinding out a single, and then instead of like seventy percent, I'd be trying to do reps of like eighty-five percent. Yeah. And sort of like every three or four weeks, I need to take a week off training because I was fucked all the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so then, like, just now that I look back. Maybe I, I might have spent like maybe 10 weeks like either off the gym or doing light training. Whereas when I went to Mike and we did it that way, it was taking me like nine, 10 weeks before I was feeling really fucking we need to have a deload. Mm-hmm. So just the amount of vol- extra volume that I accumulated in that first year compared to what I had been the previous years was just so big. And everything was lighter, so I was moving better. Mm-hmm. Just, it makes so much sense to me now. <laughs> but back in those days, I mean, I would have been like, I was probably doing this on my 22 up to like 25, 26, something like that. And I mean, you know what you are, like, you, that that age, you're fucking young, dumb, full of cum. Yeah. <laughs> you, know I mean? you just, yeah. you just 
want to push as fucking hard as you can, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just, you know, it's just a one-way ticket to Snap City. Yeah. And I was finding that I was picking up niggles. I was just tired all the time. I wasn't interested. And then I ended up just spending a year with him and fuck me, like, I mean, he got me to a world record squat within 10 months. Holy shit. Yeah, like, I went from, I think, I started with him, I think I'd squatted 305 for the first time in a competition, and then, that was, like, October, so it would be, like, so it would be like about 11 months in, October I did that, and then, September, got the world record squat at 331. Holy smokes, man. Yeah. So was he doing, like, besides, um, you know, lowering the RPEs, getting a little more volume in, was there extra things like, you know, was, was there pause, squats, partials, or anything new that you were, like, not doing previously, or was it still... Yeah, um, see, back then as well, another mistake that I used to make was I would just put variations in for the sake of it. So, like, for, like let's just say, like, I might go, right, I feel like doing pause squats for this block. So I put pause squats in. But the issue with me might not have been positioning or power out of the hole. It might have been like um, like past that sort of like two, three, four inches out of the hole where you're, you're in that mid lift. Mm -hmm. So rather than, but then I wouldn't really sort of pick up on that and I'd just do pause squats. I feel like I'm doing pause squats. But it might have been a bit more um, logical to squat against a band for that variation. Ah, to, yeah, 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 yeah. Point. So, like, you just, it's always good to get an extra eye on your lifts because he'll, he'll, he'll notice things that I don't necessarily notice. And he, and he's got more, and he, at that point, he would have had a lot more experience of looking at the way someone's moving and thinking, right, I think this is a potential weakness. So I'm going to put this variation in instead. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's the biggest thing that did it. The two biggest things that, that got me to that got me from where I was to where I am is um, just changing your mindset into you don't have to push as hard as you can all of the time, and also as well like really targeting like using using assistance exercises that are as close to competition as you possibly can, and also things that are actually going to benefit you. So like if it's not going to if, it's, if, if, if you don't know why you're putting it in there, it shouldn't be in there. Yeah. Don't you know do what I mean? It's like doing it. Yeah, and it just and it makes so much sense to me now. And people are going to be watching this thinking, this guy's a fucking coach. <laughs> but, like, I'm talking about, like, three or four years ago before I even started thinking about all this shit, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's true, though. I mean, sometimes, like, I mean, you could get something out of it. We're using Pasquale's example. You could get something out of it. But like you said, okay, it'll help you to an extent, but there might be something else that'll help you even more. So even yeah. though, like, yeah, like, it's it's all, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people watching who have certain things in there because they've seen their favorite lifters doing it. They don't know why their favorite lifters are doing it, but they know he's a big squatter. He does pauses. I'm pausing now. But he's yeah. doing pauses for himself, you know? That's the thing with Instagram and YouTube. Oftentimes, you follow these, these world champions, but they are not built like you. They don't got the same, you know... Problems, pros, cons, etc. Right? So you just kind of yeah. pick and choose what you like. Another thing that I always see as well with that sort of stuff, I actually had a client of mine uh, say this, and like he was like, just he was having some problems with his squat, and he was like, I just want my squat to look like Bryce Lewis's, and I was like, 
lad, you're about fucking six foot tall. Your spot, your spot is not gonna look like Bryce Lewis's. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, fucking Jesus, man. That's like, like yeah, yeah. People really need to like to mirror themselves over people that have certain that have very similar leverages to them. Yeah. Like you, like you can look at you can look at anyone's squat and think, oh, I want my squat to look like that. But if your body is completely different, it's not going to fucking happen. Yeah, and even on the surface, you look like you might look like someone, but then just like how their femurs pop into their hip joints and the whole nine things change. Like it's that's where you yeah. need a coach like yourself who's going to make look at. Here's why I'm seeing in the videos. I know what you think the picture of your head is, but like you said, with that extra eye on you. The other guy is not like, everyone has a picture in their head what they look like when they're lifting, but your coach doesn't give a shit about that. He's actually looking at you saying, here's where problems are, my friend. Yeah. You absolutely. Know, stuff away. I, 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 I 100%, I'm not saying this because I am a coach, I think everyone should have a coach. Mm -hmm. I agree. Just for the, for the simple, for, honestly, for the simple reason where, like, when you're being held accountable by somebody else, it's so much harder to, like... To fucking bullshit. Yeah, that's true too. Like, the amount of times I would sit out and write a 12-week training fucking program for myself, and then that thing would be completely fucking different by week four. <laughs> Honestly, that's mate. It. Yeah. You do it all the time. You do like you just like you look at yourself and you and when you program for yourself, you don't program for yourself the same way you do clients because when you're thinking about yourself, you're fucking Superman. And I know, I, yes, dude, that is so true. It's so true because you got numbers that you're going to fucking hit. Once your clients, you're like, listen to me, man. You're pushing a little much. Your RPs are revving. But once yourself, you're thinking, no, I'm hitting these numbers. And if I don't, then things are falling off. I have to hit this number. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you're so attached to these numbers. Your coach will be like, dude, relax. Pull it back. Trust the process. Yeah. Sometimes like a madman behind the wheel. Stop. Yeah, very much so. So what? So this is around three, four years ago. When did you start? So the raw lifting. Did you immediately go into the raw as soon as IPF went raw? Pretty much. Um, I missed the first. I missed that like uh, exhibition World Cup. Yeah. Because when they're testing it out. Yeah, I think what had happened was. I think I just I just missed the boat on selection for that year basically. It was a little different. I remember it was like. Because they were kind of half in, half out with the classic division. They're kind of testing it. Not too many people even knew. It wasn't like it, it was like now you win the Nationals, then you go forward. But it wasn't even really like that. There are a lot of nations didn't even have raw Nationals yet when that cup yeah. came around. So it's kind of weird. I don't remember if we did or not. I really can't remember if we have one or not. But for some reason, I missed selection that year. And fuck it, I just moved on. But then 2013, I think they had the first... Raw or Classic Worlds? Were you at that one? I've been at every one. Oh no shit! Bar that exhibition, yeah. So how did that? Um, how was that Raw Worlds that you went to? <sighs> Fucking insane! Um, <laughs> like as you say, as you said before, like no, everybody came in not knowing who anyone fucking was. Yeah. So all you had was the nominations, and then people people lie on nominations all the time and everything, and um. I came in there and nominated something like 10th, maybe a bit higher, and I ended up coming second. Oh, no shit. Okay. Yeah. Who liked that year? Uh, who do you think? For the 105s? 93. 
Oh, 93. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then uh, the poll over back. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Poland. Yeah, he's, he, he won, like, well, he won he won the Exhibition World Cup. Won every single one until he hurt himself in, uh, in uh, Texas. Yeah, so he won them all until Colleen, didn't he? Yeah, then he came in injured. Still came in bronze, I think, though. Like, he was hobbling bronze around. Fourth. Oh, was he fourth? Okay. Oh, he took he a bronze in deadlift, that, I think. Yeah. I think he took a Third bronze in deadlift. Something like that. Yeah. Do you know the, do you remember what happened the year before, though? Oh, no, in 2014. In South Africa. Uh, was that... Did he pull for the win? He yeah, right. this is so fucked up, right? Okay. So, right. The, the, the need to change the rules about this, in my opinion, right? So, right, what happened? Let me get this right in my head. So, if you're going to get... If you get a world record total, and it happens at the same competition, it's the guy who gets it first gets the total, right? Because he finished first? Yeah, so if he gets... So if he hits that total first, he's got the total record. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, okay. So what happened was... Um, it was Bulani, the Ukrainian guy, yeah. against Ryush Bigger, however the fuck you say it. I know, I, I avoid it too. Yeah. <laughs> so, and because he's a big deadlifter, he was obviously going to be pulling for the win on the last attempt. Yeah, he always does. So Bulani got his deadlift... And I forget the number. Let's say it's a forty-seven point five was the was the total. I think it was exactly that. So he got the world record total, but Ryush Bigger won the competition because he got the same total, but the dude got it first. I got you, yeah. It's like that's fucked up. How can the world champion not be the world record holder? That is kind of that's like a trivia question. Who won the world championship? The other guy got the world record holder. We got like two, I've two seen three. it happen before or since, but that's yeah. fucked up. Yeah, that is kind of weird. No, and I think, I think we should change it as well, where like, they should make another change where if the world record's fucking 350 and somebody comes in weighing less than the guy who originally did that number and he hits 350, I think that should be the new world record. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And do you know what I mean? Just little things like that. And... Yeah. I think it's really unfair that people who are already at an advantage for being good enough to break a world record can have an even bigger advantage by chipping a record. Yeah. So I just think everyone should be able to fucking put 0.5 and put one kilo on the bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially females for benching. Oh, that's huge. Because for them... It's so, it's so fucking disheartening yeah. to, see, to see some women... Especially some women who aren't that athletically gifted, train for like two years to get a two and a half kilo bench PB. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But like, if they could, if they could put like four, if they could put forty three on instead of forty five, yeah, that would be huge for them. And I think it would do a lot to improve like the retention rates of like some women at that level. Yeah, you know what? It's true though that you said that because like my girlfriend competes as well, and um, yeah, for them. A two and a half kilo jump, depending on your weight class and women's benching, if you're not a crazy big bencher, you're, you're a solid middle of the packer bencher. A five pound, two and a half kilo jump, it's, that's a big PR. Or it's just a big oh, jump. It's a big jump. You work like men. It's like in some cases, it could be about like six or seven percent. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, that's a huge jump. Huge. Yeah. yeah. You could, like, for men, it's a pretty big jump. But for women, man, it could be a massive, very disheartening, like you said. A lot of women will be like, I, don't, I haven't had a bench PR in God knows how long. But, I mean, you to make that bench PR happen, you got to have a big percentage jump. Yeah, and like honestly, all like, any of my female clients like they always go on about that, yeah. and I've got to just say them look like, for one, powerlifting is a fucking slow burner anyway. Like you've got to be in this for the long haul if you really want to fulfill your potential. Yeah, and on bench, like I just I hate saying it, but it's just like look, like it's gonna take you years to get from like to get from where you are right now to where you want to be, and we yeah. all know what people are like. They've got this real sort of like exaggerated perception of where they should be. Yeah. So it's like I've got people who are who are benching like sixty kilos and are like, right, I want to be hitting eighty next year. Holy shit! What's happening? And then they're like, they'll uh, look to you like, well, you're the coach. You got to get me there. How yeah. you get me there? I uh, put on a bench shirt. I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> it's like, yeah, these. I know what you mean. If it was that easy, some people also think. So the early gains you get when you first start out, like you said, when you first start out, the gains are going to come no matter what you do. They look at that progress and be like, well, by year yep. five, I should be winning national titles and, and going to the worlds because if this progress continues. Yeah. No one wants to hear that. Man, that shit, if that was the case, everybody would be a national champion. Everybody would be a world champion. Really doesn't work like that. And the world record would be about fucking 50,000 kilos. <laughs> that's, that's right, man. That's right, man, yeah. A lot of people, you, a lot of times you hover just underneath even a national record or whatever the record might be, and you can be so close. But once you start plateauing a little bit, you fight for every little kilo. Yeah, and like it's one of those as well where it's like that final, take. everyone's got a ceiling, and that final 10 kilos towards that ceiling is so much fucking harder than that first 10 kilos. Yeah. Oh, 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I always, I, I always tell my clients everything like, just like, they've always got in the head the numbers they want to hit, I want to be world champion, I want to be greatest champion, whatever it might be. And I always just like, I feel like it's like my job as a coach to encourage them along that, but to sort of talk them off the ledge at the same time as well. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, like you've got to understand that this is like a sport of dimension returns. When you like, you're first starting out, you don't have to put a lot of work in to get a lot better. Yeah. And the further along you get in your career, you've got to put a shitload of work in to get a little bit better. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, like and, people, and people, that's when you really see how much somebody wants something. Like when you get somebody who's stuck in a bit of a plateau for like a year, a year and a half because they're getting towards that ceiling. Yeah. And sometimes... It's like a temporary ceiling, and then something happens. You get a change in coaching, you change technique or whatever, and then you sort of blast through it a little bit. But it's gonna yeah. happen again. It's, it's like, always yeah. It's never yeah. It's never linear. No, it's you make hay while the sun shines, but when it starts slowing down, you realize. And like you said, everybody's got a limit. We don't know what it is until you start pushing. But yeah, and, yeah. and, and it's so true that. Everybody thinks they're going to be a world champion once they start moving those weights. I got people, sometimes when they first come to you, they're like, so what's my chances of, of like making it like on the national team, going to Worlds, doing whatever? And I'm like, man, you haven't even started yet. Like, if you, if you're, if you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't tell you what your chances are. But, um, like, if you come in with those expectations of, I need to be good right off the bat, or, you know, I can't invest in it, you're setting yourself up. You know, you got to enjoy the journey, you know? 
I, I don't understand. I really don't understand that that mindset. Like, I mean, like you know, if somebody like entered a fucking marathon, like and like and they expected to win it the first time. Yeah. Like yeah. that's just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I don't see why a powerlifting competition should be any different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're going up against people who have been doing this for years. Yeah. They've got a lot more experience. They know what they're doing and all that. And, like, just... It's a little bit insulting yeah. for somebody brand new to come in there and think, right, I'm going to go and fucking smash this now. Yeah. Great technical <laughs> get. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And, like... Yeah. It, that... That kind... You, you did kind of see that at the start of Classic because it was new and it was growing. Yeah. So, like... You see, you see a lot of people who like there's there's people in a particularly females young girls who like sort of won the British juniors at a young age when classic first came about but like before classic you were lucky if you would get ten women competing at a British championships total oh yeah the talent pool was so much smaller yeah so when it's like that it's easier to win these things and then the next year. Fucking like that same person might have come six or seven. Yeah, I know. Yeah, boom goes. Yeah, watch it exploded. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. it's like you kind of like you see what people really want. So like, and I I really do see this with 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 a lot of juniors. You see a lot of juniors who are very competitive as a junior, but then the no as soon as they hit the open, they're not going to be competitive anymore, and they'll just leave it and they'll just do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean. In a way, I admire that because it's like, well, if I'm not going to win it, then I'm not going to do it. But it's the fucking journey that goes along with you getting to that title. That's the fun part. And just, if you don't look at, the actual competition is one day. If you don't enjoy in being in the gym and training and, and the whole journey of it, then you, what are you doing it for? Because that competition is one fucking day. If you compete yeah. three days that year, that's three days. You got to enjoy the journey. To be fair as well, I'm sat on my high horse fucking saying how stupid these people are and everything, but, I mean, I was that guy once. <laughs> well, you, you joined and smashed records your first meet. You, you were uh, it's yeah. an exception, but yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I really do think that set me up for failure a little bit as well. Really? Because it came, because it came so easily. Yeah. I expected everything to be a bit easy. Yeah. But then, so like, but I was also smart with it as well because like, I mean, like, 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 um, what I just said about like the talent pool being so small, it was also a small talent pool back when I was lifting back then, because like I said, I was doing this shit before it was cool. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just, I would win everything really easily. Like, I'm, I'm sure one year I won the British Championship by about 200 kilos. Holy fudge! Honestly, oh. definitely well over 100 but close to 200 kilos. Yeah. I'll try and find the competition, but I, I, won a, I won a comp by like 200 kilos one time. And it was like, like, it was getting too easy. So then, instead of my aim being to be the British Junior, yeah, the British Junior Champion, sorry, not the British Championships. Yeah, yeah. Because that, that sounded fucking, like, bad there. So then, <laughs> rather than my goal being to keep blowing these fucking amateurs out of the water, I was like, right, I'm going to try and beat the senior champions total. So like I was always aiming a bit higher to keep me going. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like I, I always entered the juniors because like 
that we just that were at a better time for like for our international competitions than what the British was. Mm-hmm. Like the British British Open. But I was always sort of looking and trying to beat the British Open champion as well as being the British Junior champion. And I think I did that one year. I think I won them both in the same year. Yeah, I think I did that. Can't remember. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. And you think that maybe that sets you up though? For like for yeah, because straight away it became about winning. So like, ah, uh, uh, got you. Yeah. So if you didn't win, all of a sudden it you couldn't out winning, breaking records, and trying to be like just because like everyone was talking about me in, in in the country in powerlifting from from a really early age and everything. And I think that kind of sort of like that's what I enjoyed the most about it. I love the training. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I also love the fucking like. Fucking sucking me cock and bruising me ego and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Mike Tyson effect where Mike Tyson got it all so soon. He talks about it where he's like 18 years old, turned pro, 20 years old, he's the champ of the world. And he's like, you can't help but get big headed because you're young and everyone thinks like, holy shit, he's the man. And you're like, whoa, if maybe if I had to fight for it for year after year, when I finally got it. I would, you know, I'd know what it's like. But yeah, I know what you mean. It'd be difficult. Yeah, and then like as soon as things start getting hard. I was still pushing, but it definitely got a little bit like I didn't enjoy it as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, up until like the last year or two, really, like I've started like really enjoying myself again and just fucking about in the gym and fucking about on the platform. Yeah, yeah. Visit, you know, and like just um, uh, it, it, Matt, Matt Gary from the States, he sent me over a book. Um, it's like a mental management system by a guy called Lanny Bassam or Basham. I don't know how to pronounce his surname. And it really, it, it goes on about like how to sort of like goal set and things that you should be um, focusing on. And rather than you being very outcome oriented, you should be process oriented. Ah, so yeah. If you're not enjoying the process, then the outcome's probably not going to come. Like yeah. the outcome at want probably isn't going to come. Like, a lot of people who are really successful in sports aren't trying to be. They just love doing it. They love the process of what they do. And when it comes to competition day, it's just easy for them because they're still thinking about the process and they're not thinking about, like, right, I have to win this. Yeah. I can't this up. I have to win this, you know? So I'm about halfway through that book now and I'm really enjoying it. Like, it's class. It's like, it's sort of, it's confirming a few things that I've naturally started to gravitate towards from these last couple of years where I hadn't been enjoying the training as much. Mm. But like, I, 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 I left for uni at 19 and I got me tattoo on my chest with like um, a quote of Bruce Lee saying, there are no limits, there are only plateaus and you must not stay there, you must go beyond them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just at that age, I decided, right, I'm moving away from university to go to like, at the time, the best uni in the country for sports science. I wanted to learn as much as I could, and it was all because I wanted to be world champion from like from a very from back from that like um, young of an age. Because mm-hmm. people were telling me I could be world champion, mm-hmm. so I was like, right, he's believing me, and I'm starting to believe it. I'm fucking all in. I'm going for it. So I moved away to the best uni to learn as much as I could, and you know, it became about being the world champion. It didn't. It didn't become eventually. It was like more a case of, right, I have to do this because I've told everyone I'm going to be world champion rather than be doing it because I was still enjoying it. Yeah. And you know what? It's interesting you say that. Um, a lot of motivational speakers, not even just with sports, but in general, they say like, 
when you put all this pressure on yourself about the outcome, in reality, none of us are gods. You, you have no control over the outcome. That's an illusion. No, for yourself, you, fucking you, hell. <laughs> <laughs> Speak, wait. <laughs> that was harsh. <laughs> How can you tell me? But, uh, like, you, you, you have control over your effort. You have control over, like, the process and what you bring to the table and your systems. But you can't control who else shows up. You can't control if, if uh, you know, so you can't, so many things you can't control. So when you pretend, if the outcome isn't this, my last six months was a failure. That's how some people look at it. They're like, if I don't hit these numbers, my last six months was a failure. Don't do that to yourself. You're setting yourself up. Those six months, like, they're not a failure, man. Whatever you've done those six months is your journey, right? And I see what yeah. you mean where maybe early on in your career you were just smashing records. You might be like, well, I have to continue smashing records or else this is a waste. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of the wrong way of looking at things. Yeah, it really is. And, like, I'm, like, I'm getting, I'm sort of, like, learning that for myself. And this book's confirming it and everything. But uh, I've gotten a lot more joy out of training because, like, I'm a very, very open and honest person on social media, unlike the majority of people that you see on social media. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone in mind, I'll just fucking say it. Mm-hmm. And, like, I've been suffering with depression for, like, years through not just training but other things in my life and things like that. And I'm just really open about it. And I get a lot more joy from people reaching out and saying that that sort of stuff helps them to mm-hmm. sort of, like to start talking to more people about it and like actually trying to get some help and everything. Mm-hmm. I get more joy out of that than what I do from winning competitions and things now. Oh, it's so and powerful. It's, like, it's, it's that sort of stuff that, that's keeping me going. Yeah, like it's, when you say that, um, I know cause like my girlfriend, same situation has, um, you know, depression, anxiety, and she posts often about it as well. And you don't realize how many people are watching and drawing strength. And, you know, you, you scroll Instagram, you see nothing but people putting on, like, sunshine and rainbows and all these positive quotes, but those same people are fighting these big battles. And I'm not saying they have to air out yeah. whatever they're doing, but when someone gets honest and says, look at man, this is, this is real, this is what I deal with, so many people are following you, like, that is exactly what the shit I need to read or what I needed to hear. Yeah, like, a lot of the time as well, those people who are, like, fucking um, putting all that stuff on, like, with the positive quotes and everything, they don't fucking live their life like that. Yeah, yeah. They don't. They, they don't believe a word of that. They're just fucking <laughs> doing it because they're doing it because it. The get. They get a sort of like they get a kick out of all the positive comments they get from it. Yeah. And the more positive comments they get from it, the better. Like the um the happier they become very temporarily. Yeah. So rather than them actually buying into like that mindset and doing it, they just think right. I'm gonna go find another quote today. Yeah, I hate it when people put like quote after quote after quote after quote and I especially hate when it comes with a fucking fucking picture of their ass or a fucking <laughs> their ass. Yeah, and they do oh, a motivational quote me. with their ass on it. It's like, what the shit? fucking Honestly, it does me head in. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, just like... I just really don't know how people actually are inspired by stuff like that. I honestly don't. Yeah. Isn't it crazy how you have somebody who will, exactly that, they'll be doing like, they'll show a clip of them working on a machine, doing some tricep work on a machine or whatever the shit, then show a picture of their ass with a cheesy quote that they found off the internet that doesn't mean anything and get like a fucking 100,000 
followers. It's like I don't I don't get it either. It's not quality content. You're not getting anything I don't from get it. it. I honestly don't get it. I really don't. Yeah, but at least. Well, that's the world we live in these days. Yeah. So how do you feel about the? the... And it's, it was always going to happen when fucking like kids are idolizing people like fucking Rihanna and Miley Cyrus. Yeah. You probably yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. You probably don't know who fucking Albert Einstein is. Yeah. Fuck. You still. Know what I mean, like for every for every one of those like role models that all these like fucking kids have and everything now, like the parents should be like educating them on people who have actually like made a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like. The world is a lot more than fucking who's your favorite music artist and everything. One hundred percent. You you start a like, You start you start a bar. Far less entertainers who are being like idolized and immortalized than what they actually are. What were you gonna say, Randy? I said you started powerlifting like before it was you know it grew as big as it was. The social media. What's the pros and cons you feel about that? Uh, the pros and cons of social media. Yeah. What do you feel? I guess we're kind of touching up yeah. on that right now, but uh... well, I think the biggest, I think the biggest con, I think the biggest pro is like I've made a lot of friends internationally from competitions, and I can get in contact with them whenever I want. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I can see, how, and, I can, and I can see how they're getting on. I can see how things are going, and you know, like just a, just a, um, a few days ago, I saw a mate of mine who I met over in the states say he, he had like a health scare and he put it on Instagram. So like, you know, I wouldn't have known about that without social media. So I got in touch with him straight away, seeing he was all right and everything. So that is amazing. Um, the downside to it is that it's like, it's not a re... Too many people think of it as a, a way of sort of expressing themselves in everyday life. Yeah. And it's like, they'll, rather than like actually being open and honest about something, I think that's fine as long as you're going to be open and honest about everything. But too many people just want to show the good stuff. The highlights. And they want, they want everyone to think that they're always ha- this happy and they're always, life is always this good for them. But it's not, you know? And it's like, people, it, it makes people not sort of relate to them on a human level because especially if they're going through some shit right now where they are pretty depressed. So it's like, they'll, so that, that's one of the things that people say to me, they say like, I'm really happy to see that somebody who is as successful in this sport as you are actually goes through the same things that I go through because I just assumed that you were fucking, you were superhuman and you could push through anything. You, you know what? But yeah, I, I, I you know, if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind talking a bit about that because it is important. Like, Oftentimes, people go through Instagrams, and you're just seeing the worst. They say the robbing of happiness is comparison. Never compare yourself, because when, you, especially when you go through Instagram, it's only people's highlights. You don't know the behind the scenes. All you see are highlights. Very few people are strong enough, brave enough to show the full. Um, if you don't mind talking a little bit about, like, when, when you say you feel like you go through bouts of depression, etc. So what? What exactly? Because a lot of people don't understand. Like, you know, what exactly are we talking about here when you say that? So, like, just, I mean, it affects different people differently. <clears throat> I mean, I'm no expert on this by any stretch of imagination. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, whatever I see here might not relate to people who are listening to it or whatever. Yeah. But for me, like, I spent the last 12, 13 years on and off convincing myself that I'm just a complete worthless piece of shit. Like, I'm just... 
Like, I'm not worth anyone's time. So what happens with me is when I go through these bouts and they get worse and worse and they last longer and longer, like the, the longer it went on for. Mm-hmm. So when it first started, it might have been a few days, maybe a week. Now it's like on and off two or three weeks at a time for three or four months at a time. Mm-hmm. And it's not uncommon for me to just like, just totally just cancel everything I've got to do for work and all that sort of stuff. Just stay in bed and just fucking like eat absolute shit and just become a slob and like just ignore me phone. I just don't want to talk to anybody because like it'll be messages from people saying like, are you okay? Like, um, are you okay? And I don't really want to tell them that I'm not okay because I don't want them to know that I'm going through this shit. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like sort of, I might get some, I might get some positive comments from people from a video before and like, I'll look at it and I think, oh, but I mean, I'm a, I'm a piece of shit. I don't want to, I don't want to see people being nice about me and everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just slowly but surely, you just, you just get out of it, you know? And like, I just, I just get, I just get very, very distant and I try and shut myself off from the world as much as I can. And it's just, it's, it's not, it's not a nice experience. And like, I'm really fortunate that the people who, the people who, who love me, like they've stood by me through it every time because they, they know what's going on and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think I would totally understand if they just thought, oh, do you know what, fuck him. I don't want, if, I don't, I, if he's not going to get back to me, I'm not going to fucking talk to him anymore. And like, you know, like they're stuck, they're stuck by me because they understand what I go through and everything. And like, mm-hmm. I'm really fortunate for that because without those same people, I would end up being alone and it would just get worse and worse to have. I would have nothing to sort of like get me out of it because eventually you do see the value in those relationships and you just think like, right, I need to start actually trying to like get me shit together here. And there's nothing you could do. Like these people think like, they, you ask questions. I, I do the same thing sometimes. You're like, well, what, what happened? What was it? You know, um, like I had said, my girlfriend's open about this kind of thing too. And you'd be like, well, what's going on? She's like, you got to understand. It's nothing happened. It's just yeah. happening. Like nothing. Yeah. Ha- there wasn't an event. Like, and people, you try to tell people who don't know, and they'll be like, it's because of this, because that, it's because... It's not because of any of that shit. It's like, that's no... Some people think, well, when this happens to me, I get kind of depressed. Or when that happens, like, no, but you use the word depression, but you don't understand where yeah. it's come, and you don't know why, and you don't... If you knew why, maybe you could pull yourself out, but it's not that easy, right? And um, that's why it's important, and uh, so many people fight these battles, and nobody... You know, they... they they post like a positive meme, maybe they're trying to pull themselves out by doing it. People get a lot more by hearing people like you who like are so successful and be like, man, this is, it's combative. You can pull yourself out of it and do things, but it's some, one of these deals where, um, I mean, you'll deal with it from here on out. It just doesn't leave and go away, right? No, I mean, I'm getting better at recognizing when it's going to happen. And the only reason I am is because of how many times it's happened. Do you know what I mean? It's like you just you just recognize that you're starting to feel the same sort of way. Um, this is really weird, but a lot of the time it happens with me after I sort of like get out of my um, out of my routine. Mm-hmm. So like I live away from my family and everything. So every now and again there'll be an event on back home, like a christening or whatever. I'll go back to that. I'll catch up with everybody. Everyone's doing really well. We'll have, we'll, we'll get fucking pissed. We'll get shit faced. Have a really good night and everything. And then, like, and, and just like just the next day or two, 
I'm just really depressed because I had a really good time. And I always feel really guilty that I'm not back there with them all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just that, that just something like that is enough to set me off. So then, like, it's like, I don't want to not go home and see me family and friends because I love them and they love mm. me. But I also don't want to go through these experiences where I know I'm going to be shit for the next few days. And, you know, like, sometimes it goes into worse stuff where it kicks off, like, an event, a, 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 a situation where... I'm dissing for like another week or so. Mm-hmm. It's it's really it really is strange, but um, what's helping me deal with it is actually just like every week I just sit in front of my webcam, I record me talking about shit, and I just put it out and I just put it out on YouTube. That for me is really valuable because it's helping me sort of like um, organize all my thoughts in my head and try and put them in a logical order. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's how I've actually figured out that a lot of my anger stemmed from my dad all those years ago. I didn't know that until like this last year or two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've always like sort of like been angry at him, but I didn't realize that he was the source of all my fucking pain. Like, he, like he, everything, everything that goes bad in my life, I can honestly put it down to him. Mm-hmm. And it's like just I've only just started to come to terms with that now, and I think that's a huge step because. I'm further along in the, like, getting better at, re- at recognising all these things because I can actually recognise what the source of all that shit is now. And I'm really reluctant to try and actually, like, seek out medication on this sort of stuff because I've got a very addictive personality. Mm, yeah. So, like, don't wanna just, I don't want to just trade one addiction for another yeah. and just end up, like, and end up hooked on fucking um, meds for the rest of my life, you know? I'd rather try and sort it out without that shit and, like, through positive experiences and training, eating well, all that sort of stuff. I think it's a bit hard to do it that way, but I think it's better in the long run if you do it that way. Do like depression, anxiety often go hand in hand. Is anxiety yeah. also, it's difficult. And especially with like, um, again, I keep referring back to my girlfriend. We live together. This is this most my knowledge from, but it's difficult to go in some situations. You're away from home around people. You don't know a lot of people watching stuff like you can get anxiety. You want to remove yourself. How difficult is it? Like when you go to a big meet, I mean, you could also have anxiety around performance naturally, anyways. But does yeah. that affect you? And is that almost like is that part of where Screamer comes out? It's almost like you have a uh, an alternate personality, an alternate ego that kind of you unleash and be like, "Ugh, here's where it is. You can let it out, and here's like I feel all this, but fuck it." Because the thing is, it's so weird how the crowd. I was there. I had the opportunity of of uh, commentating for your the Battle of the One Hundred Fives. Okay. And um, I swear to God, like I've, I've done two world uh, IPF championships and that freaking session where you had with the crowd whenever you came out was, was like you can't put in words, man. And people who watch it on the, on the podcast and the stream, they probably got a piece of it, but they're live. Like when you stepped on that fucking crowd, when it was yours. They was yours, Screamer. And I was like, I felt it too. You know, I'm trying to be impartial watching it, but damned if you can't root for this dude and I'd seen, you know, you're so uh, open with like dealing, look at this, how I feel with my feelings and shit. Like, this is a tough guy sport. People don't talk about their feelings, you know? So it's so like people get emotionally invested with you. And is that part of like, uh, do you feel that anxiety in certain situations? And then when you're in the world, like the, the much energy you give to your performance, that and also what happens afterwards when, uh, you know, you're out of your routine, you go back home and you gave so much. Yeah, um, like, 
first off, that was fucking crazy, that competition. Woo, dude, that was insane. Jesus. Yeah. Like, I just, mate, I was blown away by the support that I got off, like, everybody in that crowd. Like, yeah. And, like, at one point, uh, the team coach, uh, team manager, she came back, Tanya, and she was like, do you realize that there's like Lodoranians chanting your name? Yeah, man. Yes, there was. And I was like, yeah. You fucking what? what? Yeah, man. It, mate, it was fucking surreal. Like I've never experienced that before, and it's a testament to how fucking big this sport is actually getting. Yeah. Like when you're getting like fucking like Lodoranians coming over to support their to, to support their guy, and then they're also cheering me on, and you see like. Do you see the, the Belarusian girl as well? That you had like Belarusian locals coming in to watch her lift and everything. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah. It's actually getting big, and they had like posters of it up in the fucking streets of Minsk and everything. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that whole screaming thing, like, it just stems from just the way things always were for me. Like for when I started out, like, it's gotten worse and worse over the years because the weights have gotten heavier. So like. I have to get more and more aggressive as the weights get heavier and heavier. Yeah. Like, when I was squatting like 240 or whatever back in the day, I used to get amped up but not quite that bad. And then maybe I would fail a lift. But then I would, rather than saying, right, I think that's it for the day because I was back in the mentality of like, right, um, I'm getting this fucking weight no matter what. So what I would do when I failed the weight, I would, because I trained by myself, I'd strip all the weight down, put it back up, put all the weight back on and then I'd just get more aggressive and then at 9 times out of 10 I'd fucking get it on the second attempt yeah yeah so then I sort of like sort of that's a little bit of confirmation bias where it's like right if I get more angry I get more amped up and if I get more amped up I usually move better and I think that kind of goes against what a lot of people sort of think about like mental preparation like where you need to be cool you need to be calm you need to be thinking about what you're doing just because i'm screaming and fucking acting like a dick doesn't mean that i'm not thinking about what i'm doing i just have to get that psyched up to clear my head to then just have an empty head to think about my technique yeah yeah yeah. and so when you it's it's just my mental process you know and when you give that much because you're so emotionally invested you know because that like man you get like it is hey a lot of uh when we were commentating um some some people like can he keep this up throughout the whole competition when you're that emotionally but you i was like well you haven't seen this dude lift before but how do you keep that much energy up is it just like because that's that's you just got so much in you mate honestly 100 percent. i know why people would think that but i can switch it off like that really like yeah like i get that amped up for the lift then i have a little celebration scream or whatever and then I'm right back. I sit straight down. I look down at the ground. And that's about it. Like I just, I just start. Th- I start bringing my heart rate back down. I breathe. I think about things. Every now and again, I might be pacing for maybe like thirty seconds to a minute after it or whatever. Cause I'm still excited. Yeah. But in general, I try and calm that down as quick as I can and sit straight back down. Like I'm not doing that all the way through. Good that enough. would be exhausting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I could switch it on and off so quickly. Like, even when I'm warming up, I'll be fucking about with the coaches and then, like, other lifters, like, messing about, cracking jokes and everything. And then he'll be like, right, you're going in 30 seconds, like, right, ready. Just get yeah, ready yeah. to go and do it. 
It was uh, it was something else because I remember somebody would just finish um, squatting, and then I was just about to look to be like, "Who's next?" And I heard this, ah, yeah! and I was like, "Holy shit! What the fuck yeah. happened in the back?" And you were like, ah, "You're like fucking like pacing me. Come on!" You're like, I'm like, "Holy shit, man! Chalk was flying, and you're like, fucking, let's do this!" And it was like, "Whoa!" Like I felt the energy, man. It was nuts. Do you, and you kind of pace yourself, so the openers will squat you really intense. But you got more and more intense, like as you start getting heavier and heavier for your last one, and then your last one, because you got to give yourself somewhere to go. Yeah, that's it. That's what I said. Like because three hundred or three or two point five, I think I opened on on squat. Like that's a routine lift. I hit that. I should hit that every fucking day, no matter what. Yeah. So you don't need to get as amped up for that. But then, as it gets heavier, like I said, like I I naturally just associate more weight with more aggression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just get more and more amped up. <laughs> and it's kind of a it's funny because the more amped up you get, the more amped up the crowd gets, then the more fucking amped up you get. And it became like a <laughs> circle of like, woo! It's like a, you felt it. You felt the energy in that room, man. In, few year, in a few years' time, I'll go on a fucking killing rampage after a spot. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you fucking cunt. I was, I was temporarily insane. That's what you, gotta, you could say. Was a, talking about this, actually, I wanted to bring this up. Um, as intense as you were, how hard was it watching? Because your girlfriend is uh, Heather Connor. And yeah. I didn't know that when I was commentating. I actually commentated her her session as well. And I didn't yeah. realize that at the time. I, I don't know, whatever. Uh, but I had seen you on the sidelines, and you were like, whoo, Jesus. You were, like, so stressed. I was like, what's Screamer so stressed? He's pretty emotionally invested in this. And uh, I'm like, <laughs> you know? And she obviously won, and, like, it was a big moment. Um, but how hard is that to watch your girlfriend live, like, with the anxiety there? Because it, it's out of your control then. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing, like, all these things, like, anxiety really hits you when it's things that are out of your control. Yeah. And, like, just, I just, I, I just, I don't know, like, I knew she was going to do it. I was really confident she was going to do it. But then, like, you know, things weren't going that well for her. Like, yeah. at first squat, it didn't look that good because she got her feet in the wrong place. Like, I saw that straight away. And I was thinking, oh, fuck, like... I hope she can sort it out for a second attempt. Yeah. She got on a second attempt and sort it out. But she failed a third. Um, then she only got her first bench in because the fucking carpet was really slippy, she said. And I was just like, oh, man, like, I was I was really scared because I knew she got a fucking huge deadlift on her. Yeah. But it was like, by that point, I think she'd lost, like, a potential seven and a half kilos, which at that weight class, that's fucking Dude. huge. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If she if she went six out of six up until that point, she would have had it won on maybe her opener or a second attempt. Yeah. And, and like you know, like I wouldn't have been as fucking tense. And then like, so she only needed like two and a half kilos extra on that third deadlift. I think it was. Then she went from one six seven point five to one seventy. And see, like that was fucking horrible. I did. <laughs> Man, yeah. I, I, I am not ashamed to admit it. I cried like a fucking bitch. Did you? Man, Did I you was what? in the back crying. Yeah, no I kidding. So, and I, I cried when she when she got the world record at the Arnold as well. Like, just, yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, I, I just, I love that girl to death. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. 
<laughs> yeah, I had the opportunity. So when we were flying back, um, we were both, uh, we took the same flight. And I had known, that's when she told me, and she was explaining, yeah, man, me and Screamer. And I was like, this all starting to make sense to me now. I'm a little late to the start line, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, she's, yeah, yeah. That was, that's awesome. You guys are like the power couple of powerlifting now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah favorite couple. There you go. There you go. So you, I remember um, another thing that stood out. Because you're such an emotional guy, like emotionally charged, obviously. And that's like a huge strength for you. And one of the few times I was like really, like watching powerlifting, man, is very, so I, nothing against the guys who are like cyborgs going out there because we can't all be screamers. Yeah, I mean, man, you would be special. So nothing against those cats. Actually, sometimes it's kind of cool to see the dude who's, who's like that cyborg in there. There's also a little stigma yeah. to that too. But... Um, that's why I love watching you win because like even if you miss I remember uh, in Texas the one deadlift you would miss dude so I gotta bring that up uh, but, but, but man I was on the sidelines I wasn't commentating that one um, I had that session off and when you miss that you turn around with your head in your hands and got emotional I was like god damn I don't know this guy from a hole in the wall and I felt a little fucking emotional I was like holy <laughs> shit man because you just like you're so transparent and lay shit on the line, right? Um, like, it feels like you really don't give a shit. Like, you, like, this is whatever, which is probably why people gravitate towards being screaming friends. It's hard not to root for a guy like that. But that was, like, a, one of the few times I've seen in powerlifting, big, huge, strong, macho guy just let it out there, man. You turned around right there and had your head in your hands, and your coach came in and hugged you. He's like, God, fuck, I want to hug this guy. I don't know this dude from home wall. I'm like, you? You're like, damn, and I feel, like you lose, I feel like we lose. You win, I feel like everyone's happy for you as well, right? But, um, yeah, how was that in tech? Not to be, sorry, I got to bring that one up too, but. Uh, I mean, don't worry, man. I'm, I'm over it now. Like, yeah, yeah, you I'm should be. Now. Yeah, you've done well since then. How tough was that? Uh, well, I mean, I came into that competition convinced I was going to win. And yeah. it's like I was saying before, it goes back to me being more outcome-oriented rather than process-oriented. Yeah. And, like, you know, like, I was, honestly, I think if I'd won that competition, because the way that I hadn't really been enjoying training for, like, that, that two years or so, I would have probably just stopped competing. Really? Because you would have said, okay, yeah. I'm good now. I think it would have been a case of, right, I've done what I said I was going to do. Yeah. I haven't been this for a couple of years. Yeah. Okay, I'm... No, what a, what a way to, it, no shit. What a way to look at it, to be like, that would have been the worst thing in the world for me to have won that. Because you need powerlifting. Like, this is such a good... I love it now, and I, I don't feel like I need powerlifting anymore. I'll, because I'm process-oriented rather than outcome now, yeah. like, I'll put the same effort in anything else, and I'll enjoy it. Yeah, like yeah. I've definitely got I've definitely got my eyes on maybe not necessarily a bodybuilding career, but I want to do a bodybuilding competition at some no point in my life. Shit! Whoa! Right? Have you seen these fucking tits? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <that> bodybuilding. <laughs> no shit, man. But it's because I want to just I just I'm just curious to see how it feels. Like yeah. I'm not the kind of guy who I don't want to have an opinion on a sport or an activity. If I haven't actually put myself through it before, yeah. Like, obviously, you could, it, it's impossible to be that fucking like um, non-judgmental where you're thinking, right? I'm not gonna have a comment because I don't know anything about it. Yeah. I've got an opinion on bodybuilding and bodybuilders in general, but 
it's not an educated opinion. Yeah. I don't know how it feels. Yeah. And I've got shitloads of respect for bodybuilding because I don't think any other sport in the world can say that when you're like when you're not training, you are training. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's, I mean, it's all encompassing. I, I, I never bodybuild it as well, but we I, most of us powerlifters got buddies who have and shit. It's very closely related with training. And yeah. holy smokes, you can never be off. I don't know if I could. That's, I don't know if I could be that invested, or I don't know, man. It's that's tough. And that's why I want to do it. I want to see if I can be that invested. Yeah. And even if it's only for like I don't know a sixteen or a twenty week prep, something like that, I really want to see if I can do it, and I really want to see how I'd look. It's and, funny, Ben, ben Pollock said the same thing. Yeah, Ben Pollock's going to do the same thing. So when, when do you plan on doing this? Do you have a couple more goals you want to hit for Worlds? For, you won the world record for 105s, and you were yeah. at one point the dude. Um, so that could have been also another time to walk away. I mean, you've done I'm some... Still, hey, I'm still the fucking dude. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. That's right. Hey, I, you know I'm a fan. So what are, what are some of the goals you want to hit before you do the bodybuilding? Right, I want to be world champion, 100% I want to be world champion, so that is a goal of mine, I'm just not sort of, that's like, that for me is a dream rather than a goal now, so like, a goal should be something that I can control, and like you said, rightfully so, I can't control who's going to turn up, I can't control how much fucking more weight fucking Poland's going to deadlift next year, yeah. all that sort of Fuck yeah. like, I can't control that. But I can control how many days a week I'm going to train. I can control how many sets I'm going to hit. I can control how much extra volume I'm going to accumulate over the next cycle and all that sort of stuff. So that's the kind of things that I now focus on as a goal. Mm -hmm. so, the, so with the thinking being, rather than me saying, right, I want to hit this, this squat, this bench, this deadlift, because that's going to get me the world title, rather than... Rather than me thinking that, I'm thinking, right, so if I miss six training sessions in this cycle, I've got less chance of hitting those numbers than what I would do if I miss no sessions. Mm -hmm. So they're my goals now, to miss no training sessions, to, I don't know, put like, I don't know, just stuff like that. That's what I'm focusing on now. I forgot what the question was. What was uh, the yeah. question? When do you think you'll do... <laughs> <laughs> I did too. No, I'm joking. Um, no, uh, when do you think you'll do that move over to bodybuilding? Because, um, like, obviously, yeah, you, you, I mean, you got it in you to be a world champ. You took the world record. So it's, it's all, literally, it's sports. You know, in sports, any given day, with the battle of the 104s, that really showed, like, the competition is so flipping tight. Some guy misses, some guy hits. Like, you know, you've seen L.S. McLean in the 93 kilo class. L.S. So McLean well, goes in there. I was so fucking happy when I heard you know, he was. You could have been, a, he's, he's anybody who hasn't met him. Nicest fucking guy. One of the nicest guys in powerlifting. Just a genuine he, good dude. Like, he, 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 was was happy. First, he, he was the first friend I made um, when, I moved, when I moved the Classic. Me and him compete against her in the 93s in Sosdal. Yeah. And, like, I could see him getting amped up, and I was getting amped up, and we just kept making eye contact, and, like, rather than, like, like trying to like sort of stage her out. He's like, yeah, fucking go and do that shit. Let's man. do this because he, he's that positive dude. Like he's he's that I dude who wouldn't don't. be he wouldn't be the type to try to put you down if your competition. He'd be like, 
Bring your best, man. Like, He'd be on the sidelines cheering you he on. He would cheer you on. He has cheered on yeah. guys who he's, he's yeah. that dude. So when he wins, I don't think it, everybody in powerlifting was happy about that one. But, um, yeah, so what I was saying is, in terms of sports, you can never tell the outcomes. Like, it's, it's all game day situation, weird shit happens. So you telling yourself, do you have a deadline where, like, all right, well, before, you know, by certain, within the next few years, you like to do a little bodybuilding? Or what are you thinking? Or is this, like, down the road, you it's, know? Right. Basically, I'm not going to pursue it until I am world champion. Okay. Or until I, until I just accept that it might not happen or right. it's not going to happen. You, you can exhaust uh, this um, one, yeah, 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 gotcha. I mean, I don't know, like, if I'm, like, so basically the way I see this panning out for me now is probably, if I won it next year, I might take a break and do bodybuilding then. And then what I'd probably end up doing if I enjoyed bodybuilding, I might just sort of be one of these guys who just dips in and out of them both. You'd be maybe a lower weight class then. You'd be back in the ninety threes maybe or May I don't know. I, I don't know about the sport and really know it. I'm not thinking that far ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean I might I mean I might wait like so kind of like the way I see it. Have you ever seen the film Rush? Yes. Which one is that? The Formula One film. I'm not sure I have Randy Fuck. What the, what are the fucking names? Nicky Lauda and he's a German guy, and I forget the name of the British guy, but basically, it's like, they're, they're the best two in Formula One, and they're neck and neck trying to win the F1 title all the time. Mm-hmm. And the British guy, James something, I forget his name now, he is like fucking, he's, he's basically a fucking rock and roll star who drives a fucking Formula One car. Yeah. Like, he should have been the front man for a fucking band, he's that fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, He's just round fucking shagging birds, getting pissed all the time, all that sort of stuff. And then he just drives cars amazingly. Yeah. And you've got Nick Lauda, who's the German guy, and he's just so focused on winning. And it's like, it's, it focuses on one season where they're neck and neck and they're, try, and they're both trying to win. They're so ultra competitive, trying to beat each other at the post every time. And this one particular year, the British guy wins it. And he then rather than focusing on Formula 1 and continuing going on, he stops it and he becomes like a TV presenter and he goes and lives the rest of his life doing other things because he had that one goal in mind. He wanted to win the world title and then be gone from it. Yeah. And move on, do other things. He he basically wanted to go and experience life outside of that. Whereas the other guy is so focused on Formula 1, he ended up continuing and winning like five or six F1 titles and that was his life. Yeah. And like, I kind of, I see the appeal to both sides of that. No shit, the way you just described it, I do well, too. Like, but, but, I was but, like, but, fuck, I don't know which way. But, I, but it's a lot of what you just described before was personality and cyborg. Because that's really yeah. what it is. Nicky was, Nicky was, I mean, he lived, breathed, everything about it. I mean, that guy could. Is this the dude from Russia like, No, from Germany. Oh, so yeah, yeah. he lived he lived breathed everything about it like he knew every piece of f1 racing from tracks yeah. to degrees of the track to like it was insane he, the guy checked weather temperatures coming in like back when nobody was doing any of this stuff you know like he, he lived and breathed it and he's right the other guy just lived the dream and won. I, you don't know which one i don't know which one i would i think at certain times i relate to either one that's a fucking weird well one one i, one, I honestly don't know which one i am yeah, I but, I, but I think I, I think it was more I of like I, to, I think I have to win the world title 
to figure it out. Now I get what you mean. Where uh-huh. so when I was asking you when, and you're kind of that. Now I get what you mean where you're like, man, I gotta see. I don't, yeah, yeah. You, you don't know until you get there. No, well, like I might wake up the next day and think, right, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I wake up the next day and think there's more to do. Yeah, that's it. It's true. I you, don't know. It's just so, a, like that. that, I, that. Don't see, I don't see myself like being like. I, I see myself competing in powerlifting for the rest of my life. Just maybe not as seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've put so much of my life on hold to be world champion where realistically I can't really do that for much longer. Like, I want to have a family, I want to have kids, and, like, just my kind of thinking when I've been growing up and, like, maturing over these next few years, I'm still fucking miles off being mature, by the way. Like... <laughs> <laughs> My thinking's always been right. If as soon as a girl starts getting serious and wanting to fucking settle down and everything, I need to pull the plug because that's going to detract from me being a world champion. So I've spent like my 20s doing that. And now I'm getting a bit older. I'm maturing. I'm starting to enjoy different things in life and everything. Like there's part of me that's kind of ready to start like thinking about having kids and stuff like that and like actually trying to be a fucking complete human (laughs) and like I'm kind of I'm happy to do that now and like if I did something like that I don't think it'd matter to me if I I didn't win if I didn't win the world title a bigger picture that's happy yeah exactly you know like I just like just my my, my, my perspective on life has changed a lot over these last uh, these last this last year or two and uh, honestly a big part of that's meeting Heather like like honestly, like I wasn't thinking about that shit until uh, I met her, and like, like it's so fucking hard long distance. Don't get me wrong, but like, just like I, I was honestly an emotional retard when I met her. Like I, I wouldn't have cried. I um, I wouldn't have cried at somebody else winning a world title if I hadn't met her. Hmm. Like I admit, I just like I just she made me feel things that I never felt before, and it's fucking weird. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, know how, I, I don't know how to fucking deal with it half the time. And so that's it, weird that uh, I, like so fucking. I was sitting watching a film the other day and I fucking cried. <laughs> and, <laughs> and together. You're like, God damn it, Heather! What are you doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Honestly, man, I don't know what the fuck she's doing. What movie was it? What movie was it? It better be if Slay was like a comedy too. It was, <laughs> What was it called? It was Transformers. Yeah, it's because they termi- <laughs> terminated her or something. <laughs> was it like a rom-com? The <laughs> fucking Jennifer Aniston movie? It was a Jennifer was, Aniston movie, wasn't it? Hugh Grant was in it. Was Hugh Grant one of the stars? I bet you. No. <laughs> fucking Hugh Grant. <laughs> uh, I think it was called In Your Eyes. <laughs> yeah, I- Glad you finished that the way you did. I thought you were going in another direction. <laughs> in your eyes, eh? I'll check that one out, or maybe I should. Yeah. So, is that a romantic or a porn in your eyes? Yeah. Cute, like they have this like telepathic connection. We're in like different states, and um, like just. One of them hit the fucking head or something, and then they could just see what this other person was doing across the country. Yeah. Oh, it was fucking like, but they, they ended up like falling in love because of that, and then they got together. Oh, it was fucking great. Oh shit! Oh. So that, that's why, because you identify with it and everything. 
I think that was a big part of it, to be fair, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that makes sense. You know, it's interesting you said, because Heather's obviously like a, a power lifter, and it's, when you, if you start dating a power lifter, you might think you'd be more invested in powerlifting, et cetera, which you guys are probably heavily invested, but it's kind of yeah. weird how after meeting her, you start realizing that powerlifting isn't everything. You know, <laughs> even our <laughs> powerlifting is kind of ironic, right? Yeah, kind of. Because you can't, certainly can't put your happiness uh, all invested on outcomes of powerlifting. Oh, fucking hell no. I mean, like, let's just say, fucking touch wood, it doesn't happen. But I mean, like, what if I was focusing on all that sort of shit and like, all my, like, my, basically my happiness was 100% down to me hitting the world record squat. Yeah. And then, let's say in six weeks time, I fuck me knee because I'm so focused on that. Like, where am I going to get me happiness from then? You're setting yourself up, aren't you? You're setting yeah, yourself you're up. Setting yourself up. Yeah, but then if you've got other things in your life and like, and powerlifting is, it's important to me, but not as important as these other things, then, you know, I'm just, I'm busy, I'm just giving myself more avenues to be happy with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't you know? build your house on one foundation, you build it on several, so you're okay. Absolutely, yeah. That's, that's, the, ma sort, that's, that's the maturity of the screamer. Yeah. I, I, I am slowly but surely becoming <laughs> a Oh shit, as you push, as you enter your 30s, we're going to see a more mature screamer. Yep, the, you are. Shit, good. You might, might even see me smoking a pipe in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> With a <laughs> monocle. And a monocle. <laughs> yeah, fuck man. I can't wait until you come to Canada for that show. Um, to Calgary. Yeah, you're looking forward to that, like. Is that your next big, uh, when's the next big meet? Ah, oh, no, fucking all sorts of shit popping up, man. Right. So I'm competing in like seven weeks at my divisionals. Then the Arnold Classic Europe is in like 10 weeks. So that's where I'm going to try and get the world record squat back. Okay. Uh, then I've got the British Championships after that, which is like four weeks after. Holy smokes. Can you do this? You can do obviously do those quick turnarounds. Your body's okay with it? Yeah, I mean, like... That's, that's another thing with the way that I train with Mike, where I hit heavy singles that often, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And, pardon me, I'm only gonna, I'm only actually planning on pushing it at the Arnold because I don't really, like, I don't need to win the Northwest Championships, like, because I've got bigger aims. So I yeah, don't yeah. want to be, like, I don't want to be fucking going balls out in that one and messing the pick up for the Arnold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Arnold, I've got a big aim there that I want to try and get, the world record squat, and if it's there, the world record total. I think I think those two things should be there if training goes as well as I think that it will. And then after that, the British Championships, like, if everything, unless there's somebody there who just has came out of nowhere, he's changed from a different sport and I haven't seen him before, like, I should win that comfortably, so I won't push it too much there either. So, like, rather than just trying to just be, like, this big, like, fucking egomaniac who wants to max out for the crowd every single fucking time. Yeah. I'd rather, I just, I'm, I'm a lot more selective. Like, yeah, I'll max out when I need to. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then obviously go into the world championships in Canada. And uh, one dude who wasn't in the Battle of the 105s, who's an amazing 105er, though, was Bryce from Canada. He was there, actually, in Texas. Uh, yeah, huge puller as well. So it'll be interesting. Like the one hundred fives is such a good division. If it gets us, hopefully it stays that good 
uh, for Canada. It always depends who shows. But, um, man, that battle was something else. And if you guys throw in the mix, Bryce, I'm avoiding saying his last name, from Canada. And, it's Crawchuk. What is it? It's Crawchuk. Crawchuk. Bryce Crawchuk. That had would this, be... had this discussion with him. The battle, <laughs> the, the, right. the battle of the 105s will turn into five people, and that Polish guy, Golem, from uh, the other pole who was in there, is also a beast. The one who, the one who Chrissy wants to ban. Fuck it out. <laughs> well, he really... Jesus. But he really is... He's bought... Like, he's straight up a comic book the way his chest, arms... He is jacked to shit. Like, like, when you see him in real life, his waist is so small and tapered, the dude looks like a superhero. The jawline, like, he is a fucking jacked up man. And he's, yeah, like, man, he's strong as shit. So that, the 105s is so competitive right now. Yeah, it really is. It's the hottest um, division I, in powerlifting. Yeah, it's like, to some people who are so, like, outcome-oriented, that only makes it harder and harder. Yeah. Like, because... Let's just say, like some, like you, you, you look at the eighty threes from uh, last year in, in Texas, and everybody knew it was going to be either Gibbs or Hack. Yeah. So, you know, and if one of them wasn't sort of like, if one of them was focused on like the outcome rather than the process, then they only had one external factor to worry about, which is basically the other one performing really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you've got five other people. You are fucking fixated on. Yeah, shit. Jesus, you're gonna fucking crash and burn. Yeah, you so, get it's too much. I'm gonna approach that competition the same way as what I is what I am now. I just don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just do not give a fuck. I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna enjoy the fuck out of the competition. If I win, fucking awesome. If I don't, fucking awesome. And you know what? Like the fact that there is so many. Dudes like that, it makes it better because everybody tuned in for the 105s. The viewership, everyone showed up in the crowd for the 105s. So if you approach it like, instead of approaching like, oh my god, the competition is so steep, it's a bad thing. No, no, no. All eyes were on the screamer and uh, everybody like enjoyed it. You were, it was a privilege to be a part of that. I'm glad I got to call it. I, some people were like, can I, everybody and their mother, like we're asking, can you call commentary this day, that day, whatever. Everybody's like, I'll do the 105s. No fucking shit you want to go commentary the 105s, my friend. Everyone wants to be involved in that show. By the way, next year, I'm fucking commentating something. Okay, deal. Hell yeah, Tell you can, something. yeah. Sure. I won't swear. I promise you, you I won't swear. You cannot swear, though. That's the thing. They're worried. I can tell you there's a lot of worry about you swearing or saying, yo, you got to watch. Man, I can fucking handle it. <laughs> I'll handle it. Don't worry. Tell them I'm a more mature person. I mean, you're pushing 30 now, so you're more mature. I'll tell them. I'll, 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 I'll be a distinguished gentleman next year. I'll be, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a distinguished. That's when you show up with your pipe and the monocle. I'll fit up the wings with a fucking waistcoat, a pipe and a monocle. <laughs> be like, Gaston, let me in. I'm a poster boy for this now. <laughs> oh, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, listen, I think, uh, is there any other thing we should leave off on? This is a pretty good podcast. We'll probably have to have you back on, man, because, you, yeah, you weren't lying. You're a good talker. You got a great story, an, an excellent personality. Is there anybody you want to thank, actually, now that, uh, now that we have you? Um, I want to thank me for being fucking awesome. <laughs> 
Um, obviously, me ma, my kid, me brother. Um, not not my kid. I don't have a kid. I was gonna say, whoa, we skipped that part. <laughs> yeah. that Just, I said that to Heather when we first started going out, and she thought that I'd hit a kid from her. <laughs> She's like, listen, <laughs> you you were very upfront with that. <laughs> Pop up here like my kid. Um, yeah. Just, you know, like, just obviously the, um, all the fucking, like, important ones, my brother, my ma, um, Heather, like, just anyone who supported me, like, anyone who's, like, ever messaged me to sort of check out how I'm doing when I'm going through any of these, like, depressive states, like, people who have reached out to say, like, that what I've said to help them get better, um, all that sort of stuff, you know, like, just... Like, it really does, like, it really hits home and it really, like, really, like, resonates with me really well. And just, like, it just when, when I, when I decide that I'm either done and I'm not going to be world champion or I win that world title, like, I'm not going to regret any of it because of experiences like that. And, you know, just, just anyone who supports me, just thank you from the bottom of my heart. And anyone who doesn't support me and thinks I'm a fucking dick, fuck you. <laughs> in, <laughs> well said. And what do you if if when it's all said and done, how would you like to be remembered? As everybody's favorite cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just honestly, is just like just an open, honest guy. Who wears his heart on his sleeve and fucking puts it all on the line every time? Pretty much, that's what I am. Yeah, I admire you for it, buddy. You're you're a brave oh, man. One hundred percent on and off the platform. Thanks for having us. We'd love to have you back. Man, thank you so much. Anytime, just give me a shout. I've had a fucking blast. Sounds good, buddy. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, he lived up. Yeah, that was a fucking good. That was another good show. Those two good ones today. Yeah, man, that was, uh... Yeah, that's what I like about Screamers, because he is, like, the dude is straight, transparent. In the world of fake personas and trying to be too cool for school, this dude doesn't... He doesn't give a shit about trying to be cool, which ironically makes him cool. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit about whether you like him, which ironically makes everybody like him. There's a lot of things, and even him saying, like, coming in, he's, he's just going to do what he does. But taking that mindset off, he'll probably you know, crush a few more PRs, do a few things, because that pressure's off not to, like he said, that world squad. I mean, that's something he's going for because he wants to go for that because, I mean, that's his jam. He wants yeah. that, he want, That's just something he wants to own, right? So. But it's more, um, so yeah, like, like he was saying, the certain things are like goals, like dreams, but the actual, uh, you sure. know, bank, your happiness on achieving that, it's more the, the process. Yeah, you got to focus on the process. You hit the it, outcome. amazing. Yeah. You don't hit it. It's okay dealing with that shit. And I can see, like, hey, I, <laughs> I, did, I did laugh pretty hard when he was talking with all these people with these fake fucking motivational quotes and posting shit and stuff like that. And what I drive Post a picture of your ass yeah. and then a motivational quote underneath that means nothing to do with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's all you see. Easy anti that. Look, the guy's got around 15,000 followers. He should have 100,000. Yeah. He's quality. You know, you see videos, he's legit funny. But it'd be funny, you know, with him, I think I think his following would probably go through the roof if people saw more of his personality in the little bit. That's bits. why I'm glad we had more. No, but, but not just, not just like, because you see a lot of his lifts and stuff like that, but I mean, like, you see, if he, if he was to do the little the little instas once in a while, I'm sure a lot of people would see a little more of his personality. There's some, yeah, there's some here and there yeah. that he shows it. But um, if yeah, he just started talking into it like a lot of people do and just saying, like, what his day is like or what's going on. Well, he, apparently he's got his YouTube 
Oh. Um, and he says he's been doing video blogging, talking into YouTube about everything. I'd suggest anybody go on that bad boy. If you want to get motivated and just see how the real process really is. You know, because like he was saying, you just see people's highlights. You don't see the whole behind the scenes. You know? And yeah. What I like doing him though too is he really doesn't give a fuck about what he says, which is fun. It makes it a lot easier for us too, having these things, because it's, he's just showing us personality. He's not... Like, we tell people from the time they come on here, they can swear, they can do whatever they want, we're not holding back, but that's, this is the whole purpose of what we do, is yeah, to yeah. show people, not, <laughs> not their squat, not their deadlift, to yeah. show them yeah. who they are. We're not big on that kind of highlights, and, like, there's a million podcasts to talk about different training, we talk about training with him as well, which is good, but I love the meat and potatoes, of, of I love the meat and potatoes, machine. yeah, and that's good, but I, I like getting into the person, and their story, and you leave being like, I know Screamer better. I know Joe Sullivan better. I know whoever better. We do like it's important to hit the different training techniques, and you can pull away. Well, from we, we we talk about the training. It's a million podcasts. We, like, we really that. need to see the the sixty percent, three sets of eight. Like you know, you don't need to see that stuff. But what he just talked about was how he was going heavy as fuck and turned it back, and his shit went yeah. up. Like it, yeah, it, yeah. that's what you're looking at. You can find a coach to do those things for you, or look yeah. for someone who's doing it. But I like hitting all that as well as now let's get into a little bit of the lifter. Yeah. For me, viewership, there's only so many times you could tell me about training and different program blocks or whatever. After a while, you're like, I get it. I don't need a, a year's worth every fucking week more and more. Sometimes you want to be like, you know, I, I, let me, let me, that guy's such a personality, let me get to know him a little. Well, if people watch from our first videos, they'll see that probably our first time we showed that pretty much every lifter lifts different. Like yeah. there's some that do right off the bat, you know, some that had 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 light sets, some heavy, some like I mean, it was just different all over the place. You got some people that are RP ten mm -hmm. every day, like, yeah, like Cornelius, Cornelius which was that, that totally is, different than what it, Screamer just said. Which I mean, it's it works. There's no right and wrong. There was no right and wrong. It works different for different people, yeah. but you know, when you look at it, he's been. I I start to wonder if it is really right and wrong as much as it is how long you've been lifting, like. Dennis said he'd only been lifting for about three years, powerlifting, like in competing. And you look at, at Screamer, who's been doing it for 12 years now, yeah. right? So, you know what I mean? You, you, I don't know after 12 years you can work up that much energy to go RPE 10 every single freaking day. Like, maybe, maybe not, but there is, like, you know, there are some people out there. I think everyone's different. Yeah, fair enough. I think Dennis probably could do it. I think he's been lifting a long time. Oh, he's, I, I don't think he got to be... You know, two hundred and eighty pound man in, in three yeah. years. Like he's, he's he's been doing a long time for sure. Anyways, another good one, my friend. I gotta go eat. Yeah. Freaking starving. From Powerlifting Motivation Studios. We're out. Peace. <sighs>